Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's game day edition, my guest is Michael Spath. We know Mike from his many years as associate editor at the Wolverine magazine. Now he is co-host of his own show, In the Huddle with Michael Spath, heard daily on WTKA Radio Ann Arbor. He will be with us in just a minute to recap Saturday's Big Ten opener with Penn State and share his thoughts on this weekend's showdown with Wisconsin. On our visitors' edition this Thursday, we'll hear from the opposition. Radio play-by-play voice of Wisconsin football, Matt LePay, will stop by for a visit. Before we hear from Michael, my view from Section 17. It was another near-perfect day in the big house on Saturday, and we saw improvement in many areas, notably the running game. I have been worried that in the first three games, we just weren't pounding the ball like we'd need to against some of the competition coming up. So say what you will about the injury-riddled Penn State defense. Our offensive line opened holes all day, and by the second half, they were bulldozing the Penn State front. Let's hope that is a sign of things to come starting this Saturday. Wilton Spate was again calm and efficient. He was poised in the pocket and made good decisions for the most part. He will be tested also this week. The defense was just off the charts. Uh, Having Jordan Lewis and Taco Charlton back made a very good defense even better. This week, we might even get Brian Monet back. It was an overpowering performance once again from Jabril Peppers and the entire defense. Through four weeks, we've been asking, how good is this Michigan team? The answer so far is pretty darn good, but this week will give us a very good idea just how much progress we've made. Some people are questioning how good Wisconsin is too. I'm not. They beat LSU and shut that offense down, a very talented team regardless of what's happening down there this week. Then they dismantled Michigan State on Saturday in East Lansing, and I again think Michigan State is still a very good team. This Saturday shapes up to be a clash of two physical, pounded-out teams, and I can't wait. Before Mike Spath joins me, a reminder about the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about since August. It will be here in October 
and will change the way we interact with our favorite teams while they are playing the game. I keep saying there is nothing like it out there, and there isn't. For more info or a sneak peek, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget to leave your cell number. This game will be all the rage by this time next month, so get a jump start and find out why. How good is Michigan? Is Wisconsin the real deal? Those questions will find answers this Saturday in the first ever top 10 game played between these two storied programs. Michael Spath, host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor, joins us next with his thoughts here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Take a quick look back at the Big Ten opener against Penn State uh, on Saturday. And, of course, look ahead to the huge game coming up is the host of Inside the Huddle with Michael Spath on WTKA Ann Arbor. Michael Spath himself, great to have you back, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Well, before we talk about this week's huge game with Wisconsin, Michael, let's take a, a few minutes, if we could, to look back on Saturday's Big Ten opener with Penn State, starting with that defensive play. Uh, again, Another overpowering performance from Don Brown's defense, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was, and, and I've had a chance to, to go back and, and look at it a second time, even a third time last night. And I think the thing that stands out to me is that the first couple of games, Don Brown relied heavily on blitz packages from his linebackers. You know, Jabril Peppers has had a couple of sacks, Mike McCray, Ben Gettian, to, to get pressure. Not that he necessarily needed it, but he wanted to show it. And this week, there's a lot more four-man rush, uh, four-man rushes that, that Michigan employed, and they did blitz, but they blitzed uh, far less than they than they had the first couple of games. And I wonder if, and, and the, the way the Penn State reacted, I mean, they almost were expecting the blitz all the time, and they weren't prepared for the bull rushes from Chris Wormley and Taco Charles, and they weren't prepared for the stunting that Michigan was doing up front. And so the defensive line really took over this game early in the game. They had a sack. A, a stop on a screen pass and another sack on the first offensive series for Penn State, and since then they kind of just announced to the to the Nittany Lions like that they were going to make a, their life a living you know a living hell for the rest of the game, and they, they certainly went out and did that. The secondary, you know, with with Jordan Lewis returning, was really strong in coverage. The linebackers were exactly where they needed to be. I mean, this was this was. I think inarguably the best defensive performance Michigan's had so far this season. Yeah, I think it's hard to uh, to argue with that. Uh, over on the offensive side, Michael, we, we thought we would be able to run the ball against them, and we did uh, very well. Sort of started out slowly, but just started gashing them as the game went on. Did you like what you saw from the offensive line play on Saturday? You know, I certainly did. And, and I tell you, a lot of people knocked, and I wouldn't say knocked the Michigan offensive line, but said, hey, they're playing against a depleted front seven for Penn State. You know, linebacker core that's down to their, to their backups, and then we're down to more backups when guys got, um, got kicked out of the game for targeting. But at the end of the day, it comes down to this for me is 
is if you're if you're going up against a weaker opponent, you can either play down to their level, which some people have accused Michigan's offensive line of doing this year, or you can just go out there and dominate them. And that's what Michigan's offensive line did. They they bullied uh, this Penn State front seven. They were creating huge holes for Davion Smith to run through or for Ty Isaac, and that's what they needed to do. And then you know you just look at the the overall offensive game and. So in order to, to have that running game kind of uh, show itself, if you're not Wisconsin, you've really got to focus in on, st- you know, probably on stopping that run. And they're going to do what a lot of teams did the first couple weeks. So they're going to let uh, w- Wilton Spate try to beat them. And as we saw Central Florida, he was able to. And as we saw, you know, a couple of times so far, he can make the plays that he's required to make. What we need to see going forward is can he make the big play down the field? We, haven't, we didn't really see it against Penn State. Uh, we didn't really see it against uh, Colorado. We need to see it because uh, we, we, it's been a couple of weeks, and they're going to have to use the big play against Wisconsin. Well, you're right. We have to see him against the team, the caliber of defense, the caliber of Wisconsin. But through four games, he's showing us improving pocket presence, even some mobility. He takes off when he needs to get some yards. His decision-making is very good, I think, for a, a young quarterback who's only played four games, and he is not turning the ball over, which is huge. At this point, four games into the season, I think uh, we have to, on his report card, at least give him an A minus. Absolutely, without a doubt, he's been better with like outside of the pocket or, or eluding pressure, better with his feet than anybody gave him credit for. You know, his arm strength. There are times where he looks really good with his arm strength. I think there's times more so where he's fighting, his, just uh, the natural feel when he's throwing the, the deep ball because he threw a ball on Saturday against Penn State where he connected with Amar Darbell for what should have been a touchdown. It was, it was unfortunate. David Smith got called for a holding call. But, I mean, he, he, he rolled out to his left. He planted his feet, and he threw it you know, kind of across his body a little bit. About a 40-yard strike to Amar Darbell. And, like, that's a guy that has a big enough arm. It's just a matter of always find, kind of finding that right, uh, you know, the, how far he needs to throw it or how, you know, putting the touch on the ball correctly for some of those deep balls. But, you know, I would agree with you that he has, he has surpassed every expectation that most people have had of him so far this season. And getting back to the running game for just a minute, Michael, again, we've uh, I think we were both impressed by the push we saw from the offensive line, and that was for three or four guys, which we're seeing on a, a routine basis, if you want to call that, running back by committee. Okay. Do you think eventually down the road, Tyrone Wheatley and Coach Harbaugh are going to uh, try to, to find that one or two guys that can carry the load as the season goes on? You know what? I, I don't, actually. I mean, I know that in San Francisco he had Frank Gore, and then in Stanford he had, uh, you know, Toby Gerhardt for a little bit. I know he had another back, too, that he really liked. But the more that I watch him, the more that I really think he likes this idea of using a lot of different players because they all add a little bit different element to him. I mean, Damian Smith, you know, has consistently proven himself to be a guy that can that can run between the tackles and can lower his shoulder and hit people. And Kron Higdon has really come on and I think if there's if there's any possibility, they might it might be something where instead of using a four guys, they use three guys. But I think between Davion Smith, you know, Karan Higdon slash Chris Evans, because one of those guys is going to get is going to get more carries. They kind of add a speed dynamic that they don't otherwise have. Uh, and then Ty Isaac and Drake Johnson. I mean, we haven't seen Drake Johnson yet, but I really anticipate that he will continue to use two, three, four backs per week, just because it continually keeps the defense you know, guessing a little bit, and each of those guys does a little bit different. The one thing I would say is that Davion Smith is far and above the best blocker among the group. And so in situations where, you know, it's, it's third and long or they need to have a, a, a back in there to block, that he will be the guy that they consistently rely on. 
Well, we know Michigan is 4-0, ranked number four, averaging 52 points per game, which is amazing, and has a defense that is dominant. We know all of that. How good is this team, though? Uh, Saturday, of course, is going to answer or go a long way in answering that question for us. Wisconsin, uh, we know, has been tested by LSU and Michigan State. And this Badger team looks uh, to me like the real deal, but there's still a lot of people questioning them. The tough part about early on in the season is you don't know how good, you know, any of the opponents that people play are. I mean, when when Wisconsin beat LSU, everybody was like, wow, that's a top five win. And look what they did. Well, now LSU is lost, and maybe LSU isn't what we thought they were. You know, Michigan State, I was I was praising them after they went on the road and beat uh, Notre Dame and South Bend. Well, now Notre Dame is one and three. So, and Michigan State just got thumped by Wisconsin. How good... So you've got a lot of this dynamic going on early on in the season. We were kind of trying to figure out really is any good. But I will say this. Both teams are 4-0. Both teams have taken care of business. Both teams have, you know, Michigan has played a Colorado team that now looks like they might be on the way up. You know, Wisconsin does have wins over Michigan State and LSU and really throttled the Spartans a week ago. So I, I think that both teams are, are probably where they should be nationally, Michigan in the top five and Wisconsin in the top ten. And if and if that's the case, we should see a you know a, a close game, a 28-24 kind of game on Saturday. We shouldn't see one team roll over the other unless that team is just far superior. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of having fun with it at the same time. The idea that you know I'm starting to gravitate towards this whole maybe we shouldn't have polls until at least October 1st because we're just it's all a guessing game early on in the season. But I certainly think that. This week will be a good litmus test for both teams. Both teams are playing well. Both teams are playing with confidence. Both teams look to have really good There's a lot to like about this matchup and figuring out which team is legit. And I don't say which team is a fraud because I don't think that's the case. But maybe which team is legit and maybe which team is legit but not quite as good as the as good as good the other one. When you look at the, uh, the statistics uh, that both teams have piled up through the first four games, uh, Michael, one of the things with Wisconsin that is really impressive is that they are averaging 37 minutes uh, per game holding the football, controlling the offense. We've seen Michigan through four games on the defensive side now. It is very hard to imagine they can have even remotely that kind of success against this Michigan defense, isn't it? Yeah, I don't... I mean, it's going to come down to whether or not uh, Wisconsin can run the football, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin has kind of always made their bread and butter on going back to the Barry Alvarez days and Brett Belima and Gary Anderson and now Paul Chris. I mean, they would have run the football. And I think if they can do that to uh, some extent, then it opens up a lot, of, a lot of it. Now, Michigan has not been susceptible to the run, especially in the middle of the field. They're, they're, between the tackles, teams have just had almost no success running on Michigan. Can they get to the edge on them a little bit? I mean, we'll have to see. I, I think losing Jeremy Clark, a big physical cornerback that blew out his ACL last week against Penn State, hurts in that respect just because he's a guy that can leverage the football back inside. Now Jordan Lewis comes in, and, and you know he's going to be your starting cornerback on opposite Chance Stribling, and he does a good job tackling, but he's not quite as big as Jeremy Clark. So could they, could they take advantage of the outside? I don't know. I mean, that's going to be the, the question mark on Saturday. And if they can get some type of running game going, well, then you've got an opportunity with, you know, the, with their play action. Paul Christ has, has really become much more of a passing, not, not to the extent that the guys are throwing for 250 yards, but he likes to use the pass. I mean, I think if you look back at the Barry Alvarez era, the Brett Belima era, it was essentially like you know, an 80-20 type of divide uh, that you would have you know, 80% runs and 20% passes. I think Paul Christ is really trying to get closer to a 50-50, and at this point maybe closer to a 60-40 
divide for this Wisconsin team. They are not a one-dimensional team on offense, not like they used to be, but they're still run first. And with that offensive line and Corey Clement, you can see why. But an interesting thing to me to keep an eye on this week is the play of redshirt freshman quarterback Alex Hornibrook, who started for the first time on the road in East Lansing on Saturday. I thought acquitted himself very well. But he is going to have to put the ball up successfully against this Michigan defense if they are going to have success, I think. Without a doubt. And I was really impressed with him because he did seem to stand in the pocket, play with some poise against the Michigan State front seven that, you know, especially with Malik McDowell up there, is supposed to be, you know, supposed to be able to get to the quarterback. And he was able to uh, to withstand that and not panic. He has kind of a, he has a really funky throwing motion. In fact, it's the battle of the quarterbacks with funky throwing motions between Wilton Spade and Alex Hornibrook. But he got the job done. I mean, he made some really, really nice throws on out patterns you know, on post patterns where the guys are cutting in the middle and he's trying to squeeze it between a couple people. And so to get that win on, you know, to get that win on the road in Spartan Stadium and then to be able to come back and now play at Michigan Stadium, how much confidence does this kid have that he might not have otherwise had if it would have been a rough day for him? So, yeah, he's going to be important. I mean, he's probably, in terms of looking at this game, he's probably the X factor for the Badgers. Yeah, one of the things I found impressive was that nine of his 13 completions were into coverage. I mean, guys that were covered very well by the Michigan State secondary, and he was putting the ball on the money. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I watched the film, I watched the game live up in the press box, and uh, it would just seem like it was it was a lot of big moments. In each of those big moments, he rose up to the occasion, and I give him a lot of credit for that because to go in enemy territory, you know, making the start as a freshman, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do, and he really played well, and I don't think he'll be intimidated by this the, the Michigan Stadium crowd. I don't think he'll be intimidated by playing Michigan, you know. And so he's got some good young receivers that are that are playing uh, that that caught a lot of good balls. He's got again Wisconsin is developing their tight ends. Um, the name escapes me, but I know that he had a big game on Saturday against the Spartans, and that'll be a one, the one spot Michigan has really not gone up against a team with a great tight end yet. And so we'll have to see how how they do defending the tight end because that's probably going to be Mike McCray. It could be a couple times to Bill Peppers, but uh, you know how will the linebacker court for Michigan handle Wisconsin's you know really strong tight end? With us on our game day edition this week, as we get ready for Saturday's big showdown in the big house, uh, is the host of Inside the Huddle with Michael Spath on WTKA in Ann Arbor. Michael Spath himself. Uh, Michael, on defense, Wisconsin has put up some very impressive numbers. Uh, only three offensive touchdowns allowed one touchdown and two field goals uh, against LSU and Sparty. They've been tested to some degree, to a great degree, I think, and will be, for this Michigan offense, their first very real test. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning of the season, even, you know, I was doing some work with the Badgers, uh, the Badger Blitz, the Rivals.com site, and, I mean, consistently all I heard about in the spring and the summer was how good this front seven for Wisconsin is. And this front seven, you know, they lost uh, Joe Schobert, who was, uh, I, I think he, he earned a Big Ten award last year. At the very least, he was the All-Big Ten first team. And they lost him. And that, this defensive line, this, this front seven, is even better than it was a year ago. I mean, it's really impressive to see them at work. I mean, this is a Michigan State offense that had run the ball all over Notre Dame the week before and just couldn't get any traction against the Badgers. And then you saw Tyler O'Connor, the, the quarterback for Michigan State, I mean, he was in a lot of uh, you know second and long, third and long situations, and because of that, Wisconsin was able to just to dial up the pressure and get after him. And they forced him to to throw on the run a lot. They put him in a very uncomfortable position. And I don't know. I mean, 
that's the thing that when when people look at this game and say, well, Mich- well, Wisconsin probably won't be able to move the ball very well on on Michigan. I say, well, I don't know that Michigan's going to be able to move the ball that well on Wisconsin. And so <laughs> when, when people talk about a low scoring game, I mean that's why you've got two legit legit defenses that are going toe to toe. Arguably the the top two front sevens in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I looking around, you know, maybe Ohio State, uh, you know, maybe. Nebraska, I've seen a couple of their games, but I think I think Wisconsin and, and Michigan really are the two best defenses at this point, and it should be. It'll just to come down to come down to which uh, offense has a you know has a better chance against that particular defense, and I guess I like Michigan's chances slightly more just because there's they've got more weapons between Jake Budd and Ju Chesson and Amara Darba. They've got you know that whole horde of running backs that you mentioned earlier. And I don't know, it's, it's really funny because this is a big game for both quarterbacks. What can Alex Hornenbrook do? What can Wilton Spate do? And those are the two X factors for sure. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Kyle Kalis told Michigan fans, hey, uh, don't worry, the offensive line is going to be just fine. We are going to know a lot more about that offensive line and the running game after this week, aren't we? Without a doubt. I mean, it's, they've had a couple of tests. They didn't, they didn't perform very well against a Central Florida team that was loading up the box. They didn't perform very well against the Colorado team. They were still loading up the box and had some some big guys up front. They performed a lot better against uh, Penn State. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, they were missing their linebackers. Um, you know, their their defensive line is not is is not up to up to par of what the the previous Nittany Lions defensive lines have been. But still, at the same time, like I said earlier, I mean, they they came out and they they did what they were supposed to do. But this is this is again, this is the best defensive line they might face all year. And so I would say that 200 yards, if you go out there, if Michigan goes out there and gets 200 yards rushing and puts their offense in a lot of good situations on second and third down, then I will, I will gladly stand up and come on, the, come on to our show on Monday morning and say, all right, the offensive line has proven something to me. But if it's, a, you know, it's 120 yards, less than, four point, less than four, point, or four yards per carry, I'm going to have the same question marks that I've had for two or three years now. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree with that. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, on the injury front, Michael, we heard Coach Charbaugh say uh, on Monday at his presser, Drake Johnson uh, practiced last week. He was dressed for Saturday's game. Maybe we'll see him, which would give us a, a fifth option in the backfield. And the good news on defense is Brian Monet, and I hope that kid is ready to go this Saturday because – Man, does that make this defense even tougher if you get Brian Monet back and healthy? It's incredible, Mike, to look at this defensive line right now and consider what, uh, how Brian Monet may impact them. We saw it with Taco Charlton. I mean, two weeks ago in the Colorado game, Rashawn Gary was a beast, and Chase Winovich two weeks before, or you know, the week before that in Central Florida looked outstanding at defensive end. And then Taco Charlton comes back from his injury this week. He gets in there, he gets a sack and a half. You know, Rashawn Gary, they, they were able to play Rashawn Gary, Taco Charlton, and Chris Wormley on the line all together. I mean, they were doing some really nice things and that they still don't have Brian Monet. Matthew Godin has been someone that uh, hasn't, been able to get, hasn't been able to crack the lineup as much because of the fact that they've been so deep the last couple of years. But he's playing really well. I don't know how Monet fits in this, but I know that the coaches will find a way. But my goodness, I mean, if you're an offensive line, and you're you're going, you know, you're playing up against that Michigan defensive line, and you think, all right, it's we're bringing some backups, we got to get ready. I mean, you're getting hit over and over and over again by by Chris Wormley, a 300 pounder, by Maurice Hurst, who's outstanding, by Ryan Glasgow, Matthew Godin, Brian Monet. There's just no rest for offensive lines. I think that's going to be the biggest difference in this game. Is I think that uh, Michigan's defensive line will continue to 
overwhelm and wear down an offensive line that so far has been really good for Wisconsin. But I think if this game comes down to the fourth quarter, then Michigan's got more depth to to take advantage of the Badgers. Well, final thought, and then we'll let you go here, Michael. Um, a lot of media experts said before the season, a lot of publications at Michigan would roll into East Lansing in October. They'd have a 7-0 and record as if there was not a challenge on the schedule before that game. That, of course, has changed with uh, the way Wisconsin has played. They are a very good team. And Saturday's game for Michigan and for Wisconsin is going to be a great barometer, Michael. Without a doubt. I mean, this is if Michigan is 5-0 and after this weekend, and then we can legitimately say that they are a top-five team in the country and they are a college football playoff contender, and they will almost they will undoubtedly be seven and zero going into East Lansing because they play Rutgers and Illinois uh, between their their matchup with the Spartans October 29th. I mean, they are probably two or three in the country uh, after Clemson and Louisville play this weekend. And gosh, just how much fun has this season already been, and how much more fun could it be? if they go out and do what, what a lot of people are hopeful they can do and beat Wisconsin this weekend. Absolutely. 3.30 kickoff, uh, coast-to-coast TV uh, on Saturday. Michigan, Wisconsin, it doesn't get any bigger than this, especially in early October. With us on our game day segment this week as we get ready for that game has been the host of Inside the Huddle with Michael Spath and WTKA Ann Arbor. Michael Spath. Mike, always uh, great to have you on the show. We appreciate the time and look forward to getting you back later in the season. All right, thanks so much and enjoy the game this weekend. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap up our game day edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits today, on the injury front, Jeremy Clark is done for the season with that ACL injury. He was playing so well. It's his senior year, and he will be missed. Jim said yesterday at his presser he is hopeful Brian Monet will be ready to play this week, and Drake Johnson practiced last week and might be ready for action on Saturday. Both of these kids have had such tough breaks with injuries in their careers, so let's hope they are good to go this Saturday. I'll have an injury update for you and more news on Thursday's Visitor's Edition with Wisconsin radio play-by-play voice Matt LePay. Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores, and you can also tune us in on iHeartRadio. So get one of those free apps and take the Michigan man with you wherever you go during this busy season. Before we part, a reminder about the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about since August. It will be here in October and will change the way we interact with our favorite teams while they are playing. I keep saying there is nothing like it out there because there isn't. For more info or a sneak peek, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave your cell phone number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget your cell number. This game will be the rage at this time next month, so get a jump start and find out why. That will do it for our game day edition. I'll be right back here on Thursday with some final thoughts on this Saturday's big game, and we'll be joined by Matt LePay, the radio voice of Wisconsin Badgers football. So please join us for that. 
Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until Thursday, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!